Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of The Pilot's Pandemic. You already know who it is, your host, Emma, and your beautiful co-host, Maddie. Hey guys, good to be back. And it has been a busy couple of weeks. I know that's kind of like basic to say because it's the holidays. Who isn't busy? But Maddie, what have you been up to? Because you've been traveling your little butt off. (laughs) I just got back. So you guys know my 33rd birthday came up. So I just got back from Palm Springs about a week and a half ago. And we were there for five days. My in-laws have a like a vacation home there. So we just kind of enjoyed our time in Indio. They live like right outside Palm Springs. And Indio is where the big um, Coachella party happens, ooh, like that ooh, big ooh. festival. Um, so it's like a popular spot. But uh, we also got to go to the Joshua Tree National Park, which I love going to um, and just relax. It was amazing and much needed. I feel you, girl. I feel you. I took my ass to the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go off the grid. I literally went off the grid. I stayed with my family in like a legitimate, like when my mom told me we were staying in a cabin, I was like, oh, like a cabin. No, the there was no door handle on the door. It was just a wood door that swing open and closed with like a barn door latch. Okay. Like we were legit <laughs> in a cabin, no Wi-Fi no cell reception but when I tell you like I probably could have done that for another two weeks I was so in my element so in my zone Billy Hoffman had just sent me Intrepid Pursuit I was reading that I was like this is heaven like this is heaven it's always nice to be like cut off from wi-fi especially when you're online all the time I just feel like it's such like a refresh button Oh, God, I know. Sometimes I need it. It's just like, I feel like the internet is a constant source of anxiety for me. And I know people probably feel that way, too. So, yeah, getting off the grid for a little while, if you're feeling like just not okay, girl, go get off the grid. It's the best thing you can do for yourself. But we have um, a very, very interesting topic today that we're going to discuss. We're going to kind of be going over some aviation news, but we're really going to be talking about pilot shortage and risk assessment. Yeah, so um, in doing our research, we kind of wanted to talk about the pilot shortage because I think it's such a big topic right now, and it's going to be happening for the next few years, I'm sure. And um, I want to kind of cover an article by a consulting group called Oliver Wyman, so you can kind of see where airlines are coming from, and that will better prepare you for your yourself as a pilot like watching your own health because of what companies will have to do because of the pilot shortage so um, in the article we'll be like quoting it and then kind of assessing it and and saying what we think so the first quote is it says in a 2019 Oliver Wyman poll of flight operation leaders 62 percent listed a shortage of qualified pilots as a key risk the root cause of the coming shortage varies by region and in the united states it's an aging workforce facing mandatory retirement fewer pilots exiting the military and barriers to entry including the cost of training so emma if you want to break that down yeah so let's let's unpack that a little bit more um so mandatory retirements at 60 but they've since been pushed to 65 
to age out. Um, now, this is one of those things where I feel like you're going to have a better take on this than me, Maddie. But I mean, how do you feel about that? Is that too old? Is that too young? In my opinion, at 65, I want to be fucking retired. I do not want to be working at 65 years old. Yeah, I, um, they, so they pushed it to 65 a while back. I can't remember like what year they did that, but I'm pretty I remember sure they my did dad. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure they did that because they knew the pilot shortage was coming. Like the pilot shortage has been talked about for the last five years. And I feel like they've done little things to kind of push it. And now we're at the point where it's at like fever pitch where yeah. they have to do something about it. And we're seeing it like in real time happening. Um, So I think like pushing it to 65 was great, like because I feel like people can work honestly to 70. And we're yeah. also like dying older like the population is living longer um so I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but I honestly could see them pushing it to even 70 70. like five years from now if they can't fix the pilot shortage like that's one of the things that they'll probably look at doing is like pushing that age out barrier even farther yeah which you know is kind of unfortunate because I see a lot of the younger pilots and FOs kind of complaining about their seniority because you know, you have all these, I hate to say it, old heads up at the top who are <laughs> hanging on, clinging, clinging to dear life on that seniority. And these people can't progress. And I think a lot of these younger captains and these younger FOs are getting a little bit of burnout. Um, I know at certain companies, it's been really, really hard to climb the ladder. But the other thing you said and quoted in that article was fewer pilots exiting the military. Now, the military requires a 10-year term with their flight officers and realizing previously that they only had to serve a four-year term and that the like they don't want I, I like this is just such a this is a big topic for me because I know a lot of people yeah. in the military. I've worked with the military and the way that they have this set up now there are few, like there are fewer military pilots coming over because why would they? Why would they? Now yeah, what, they have to they have to serve a ten year term, and then when they mm-hmm. when they finish that ten year term, they're gonna have to get out and they're gonna have to do retraining because you can't just jump from the military military aviation to civilian aviation. That's not how it works. I went to school yeah. with a lot of guys that had just gotten out of the military. They were trying to get to the airlines and they were in that in-between stage. And a lot of them were pissed off about it. And I don't think that when you've served your country for that long, that that's going to be what you want to do is go back, retrain, get another job. It's like you've worked your ass off. And then on top of that, they're giving away, like when they come to the civilian, civilian side, they're giving away a lot of their benefits. Like we've talked about, Maddie, as a military pilot, you can go seek therapy without yeah. it, without it, um, what, what's the word for that? Without it affecting your medical, essentially. Yeah. So, yeah. and then, you know, we've, you've talked to people and I've talked to people who are having trouble coming over from the military side to civilian side because they disclose things or went to therapy while they were flying for the military and the FAA sees it and it's like, no, you have PTSD. Well, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. I was literally fighting for my country. Like I was serving yeah. my country. Um, it's yep. just, what's your take on that, Mad? Yeah, I just like what you said, Emma, like the big point and I'm thinking about now is like the up and coming aviators that have worked in the military, like why would they want to come over to the civilian side when they get such better care over on the military side? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. 
I mean, I know I, I have a few friends that are military brats. The way those kids live, they live way better lives than me when I was growing up. And my dad made good money <laughs> at a good airline. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, granted, I yeah. got to see my dad a lot more. So there are certain sacrifices. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but it's certainly something to think about. I know if if I were to go the military route, there's no way in hell that I would ever come back civilian. I just don't. It, it, I, I, I would not want to do that. Now, I don't know because, you know, I've never done that. So I'm just kind of giving you my own opinion. But yeah. third, and I could talk about this all night <laughs> freaking long. I could talk about this till, like, till the end of the world, till the end of time. But the cost yes. of training. So the cost of training to get from the point of zero time to that whatever our requirement is, I'm just going to say 1500 because that's pretty basic. To get from that zero time to that 1500 hours, that training can cost anywhere upwards of $100,000. Now that is not, that that's, that's true because I've been to yeah. training. There's a reason why I don't have my CPL yet because it is so God awful expensive. And now we've got, so the thing with this that pisses me off the most is the fact that there are probably thousands of kids in America right now whose only dream their only dream is to be a pilot, to fly planes. And there, I mean, I can barely, my, I can barely afford it. And I come from like a normal, like, like my dad was an airline pilot. I wouldn't consider us very wealthy, um, but we did good for ourselves. And you can see how it's still very hard for someone in my position to afford it. Now think about people who are in underserved and underprivileged communities, how you can't even yeah, there's no it's like, just... there's no way to, for people who are underprivileged or underserved to get into being in aviation and, and to be a pilot say, because of the training. The just, people are like scholarships, scholarships, scholarships. Okay, like there's only so we, many. There's only so many, and they're only gonna give them to so many people, and that's only once a year. So like, yeah, that's not the answer to the solution. And guys, Sally May, all these fucking companies, and I, I'm cussing this one. This one's gonna be a slick. I'm gonna have to like do like the a little a slick warning. But yeah, they don't. They literally they expect you to have the credit score of like a hedge fund, like a white dude on sitting on a hedge fund. Like they're yeah. not gonna accept you with an average credit score. It's just not gonna happen. Um, so it's true just, though. I uh, I want to comment on that too, Emma, because my friend who makes a, a decent salary as a flight attendant for a major airline he applied for a sally may uh like what is it loan mm-hmm. and uh he because he wants to be a pilot yeah so he was like this is the route that i have to go because he obviously can't afford to pay for the whole thing yeah. and they denied him and yep. it's like how much money you got to make to get a freaking loan like the, it's almost impossible to become a pilot without a loan so it becomes exponentially more difficult if you don't have a lot of money um, yeah. to become a pilot well, and then you start looking at like what I've been doing and how I've done a lot of my training. I have spent more, uh, the cost of my training has cost more in the long run because I didn't have the money. So I would have to take breaks. And then, you, you know, the minute you take mm-hmm. any kind of large gap, you have to go back and then there's retraining that you have to do. So whether it be one or two flight lessons, it all is going to add up. Um, so that's and a huge I- one. No, go for it. Yeah, the other thing I was just going to say is that, um, so we just had Tia on, and I'm going to go up with Tia, and she's like, we got to rent the airplane for 100 bucks an hour, which is a steal, but to many who are thinking about getting into aviation, they're like, 100 bucks an hour, that's a lot of money, and, you know, 
honestly, if my husband wasn't my husband, um, I probably wouldn't be able to do that um, because that's quite a bit of money. And then you have to think about Avgas, maintenance Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So it just like, it it all comes together and it's like such a huge amount of money to become a pilot. And, and that is a huge reason why there is a pilot shortage, I think is because it costs so much. Oh, I I would say, I mean, I'm no scientist, but I would say about like, I would, I would guess that 50, like over 50% of the reason why we are having a pilot shortage is because nobody can afford to go to school to do it. And now there's another flip side of this. You spend a hundred thousand dollars to go to flight school and you walk away without a freaking degree. So, so you look at like my dad who went, who went, got his, got his private pilot soloed, like the day he turned 16 soloed, then immediately a month after got his private pilot, went to Spartan, Tulsa, went to school, got out, started working for Wheeler, immediately went up through the airlines. And when he lost his medical, the first thing he said to me is I don't have a degree. And even though I have thousands upon thousands thousands of hours in my logbook and I have like over 20 years of experience flying this means nothing to anyone in the real world and that's an extremely scary thought extremely scary um Mm -hmm. so it's like Mm -hmm. who who's gonna really put themselves on the line like that and it's like that has to change and you know the funny thing is when you go to like flight school and stuff it's not even looked at like a technical school even though it should be looked at like trade school as a technical yeah. school it's still not it's like this yeah. weird in between um yeah which i like think an- is good of you to point out for like the the next article quote that we have because thinking about that where you have no fallback if something is to happen like think you don't have a your degree even if you have one because my husband has one through central it's an aviation degree so it's like where are you going to take that yeah um so if you read the next quote yeah I'll yeah kind of break that so down. so the next the next part of the article goes quote these trends have created a supply shock pilot candidates will think twice about entering such a cylinder industry is that cylinder cyclical <laughs> sorry (laughs) silical industry i am like illiterate i swear to god but many furloughed pilots will return but some pursue other opportunities finally airlines in some regions have relied heavily on early retirements to reduce cost which will permanently decrease the supply looking at past crises such as 9-11 and the global financial crisis new pilot certifications fell from 30 to 40 percent during the five years after the initial shock with global nature with the global nature of this shock we believe 25,000 to 35,000 current and future pilots may choose alternate career paths over the next decade end quote yeah so I think that's huge like when you're saying okay like my dad doesn't have a degree. And then we think about um, every 10 years about there's a huge like furlough of pilots. So there's 9-11. Now there's the pandemic. So we're facing this again. Mm-hmm. And when pilots think about that, they're like, I literally, I, this is like a real conversation me and my husband had when, uh, when the pandemic happened. It was like, okay, you may get furloughed what are we going to do? Because he's the sole breadwinner. He, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have to go to work. So I'm not making the money for our family. I'm like, well, if I have to go back to work, I will, because I do have some degrees and personal trainer and dental assistant, I could do both those things. But for him, it was like, what do I do? 
because I only have a degree in aviation. I can only be a pilot. No one's going to look at me and be like, wow, you were a pilot that has crossover into business. Like no one's going to do that. So it's very, it becomes like way more scary as a, as a pilot, if that's your main goal to be a pilot and you don't have a background in anything else, when, when furlough time comes, which is typically every 10 years, like your thought process might change a little about what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Oh, I, I I just, it's sad. It's, it's sad to me that like, this is such a great industry to be in. Everyone wants to be in it, but like you start talking about this kind of stuff and you see these like little patterns and it's like I feel bad if anyone's listening to this podcast and they're trying to get into aviation because I feel (laughs) like we we make it sound super dark um and I mean guys like throughout these conversations please keep in mind that like this isn't everyone's experience and we're not saying that this is fact um we're just telling you this because I think it's really important for people to know especially if you have no aviation background because there's just a lot of stuff you probably won't know until it happens to you. And that's yeah. a really crappy situation to be in. Yeah. And I just think it's like important to, to show you guys the big picture of how the aviation industry works and what may happen to you and how you can better prepare yourself just because that guards your own mental health is being prepared. Um, so not only is it just the, the pandemic has come and I'm sure there are tons of pilots who were like not doing this anymore, or even pilots who were already in the airlines who quit and said, I'm done. I want to do something different. Um, I think there are other reasons too, that, that pilots are not why there is a pilot shortage and why pilots aren't coming up into the ranks. So the other reasons that I personally think um, deter people from becoming a pilot is the lifestyle, just being gone all the time, the yeah. lack of sleep consistency, the lack of friends, not seeing your family. Like those are, those are huge things that um, we tend to start thinking about as we grow up a little, mm-hmm. you know, in your twenties, you don't really think about that. At least I honestly, I didn't think about that, but now in my thirties, I'm like, you know, I'm really glad my husband didn't go fly for, you know, a huge airline, um, because he doesn't have to go overseas and that's better for his quality of life and that's better yeah. for our relationship. But, you know, when I was young, I would have never thought about that. So those are some things that I think deter people from getting into the industry. The other thing is um, women, which we've had um, conversations about that, Emma, where, you know, you're thinking about having a family yeah. and how that would affect you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my that's biggest big reason. One. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to like expand on saying- that? Yeah, like you were saying before with like the quality of life and like how you don't get to see family, you know, like Thanksgiving was this past weekend. And I feel like, you know, since my dad's passed, all holidays are weird, but I was, it's weird because I feel like I was somewhat prepared for the absence of my father on holidays because he was gone about every other holiday. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he, I don't really think there was one single birthday where he wasn't there. He always seemed to be there for my birthday, but there were times when he had to work Christmas. There were times when he was gone on Thanksgiving. Um, And, and that made me really sad as a kid. I missed my dad as a kid. Yeah. I was smart enough to know that like what my dad was doing was providing the kind of life um, for me and my brother and sister and my mom that not a lot of other kids had, you know, there were, when my dad did get to come home, he was home for four days and like, he could go anywhere and do whatever he wanted with us. So it was like, there's that, you know, 
that switch off. But for me, growing up in that environment, and for me wanting to be a mom, um, I just I know I've always known, I've always known since I was little, I was like, I want to be a mom. Um, And that's been a really big reason that's held me back from really pursuing, you know, like a career in aviation, specifically in the commercial side, like in the airline side, because I want to be able to come home every single night. I want to be able to see my kids. I don't want somebody else raising my kids. And I'm not going to make my husband or whoever I'm married to be a stay at home dad. Like I'm not, I'm not going to make them do that. Like people need a life outside of just their kids. But at the same time, like too much of a life outside of your kids, I feel like that just wouldn't be it for me. Um, Like I said, with my dad, it was just, I, there were times where I really, really missed my dad. Um, and I don't want my kids to have to go through that. Unfortunately, there isn't a lot of career options, though, in aviation where you can go fly for the day and be home at night by like five, six o'clock. Um, yeah, that's like few and far unheard of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very unheard of. So, you know, so, I mean, yeah. it's kind of sad, but it is what it is. And I think if, yeah. you know, if it's something that you want, that's a sacrifice that you're going to make. Um, now, when we talk to Tia, like Tia said, you can do both. You most certainly can do both. Um, now, how that affects your quality of life, I'm not really sure. It just depends on what kind of person you are. I know for me personally, I just don't think I could handle it. Living out of a suitcase, I'm a homebody. Like, I love my bed. I love home. <laughs> I yeah. can never be home, like, that that long. Like, I just can't yeah. be and I think you represent like a large number of women. I think women have to juggle that when they get into these big positions as if you are working for a commercial airline, that's like a, a big thing and juggling it can be difficult. Like you said, you mm-hmm. missed your dad when he was gone. I remember even my dad, not even in commercial aviation, he's just flying around little tours. Um, he's like, he was gone for two weeks at a time. Like he was not yeah. gone five days. It was two weeks. And so um that is a big thing like being away from your children but it is doable I just think it's part of a reason why women aren't coming into aviation as much is because they're thinking about family time um and so I think the other part of the pilot shortage is the pilot medical seems super difficult to receive um Mm -hmm. and we've talked about that with people it's just like that whole concept of getting your medical is fucking scary Well, and it's like, I mean, almost half of everyone has ADHD. I don't know a single person in outside of aviation. Like, I probably know one or two people that aren't on Adderall. You know what I mean? It's like everyone's on Adderall. Everyone's taking something. It's like, if you're a normal person and you did not grow up in aviation and you went to the doctor, like your parents should have taken you to the doctor, then yeah. Like, basically, if you grew up healthy, you're never going to be able to be a pilot because- everything that's been put on your medical record is going to bite you in the ass. Um, yeah. You know, and, and especially if you don't have any aviation background, you're going to walk into that medical examination, like a good person and be like, yeah, I'm on this and I've taken this and I did this and I did that because that's the honest thing to do. That's what you're supposed to do. But when you're not, when you don't know the get go, the don't ask, don't tell you walk mm. in and you basically sabotage yourself. Um, so it's just, and it's like, I'm not telling people to lie. Don't lie to your medical examiner. But there is that that's a major reason why people are not coming into this career because I get DMs on a daily basis. Hey, I, 
I wanted to go to flight school and then I took a few lessons, went to my medical, can't get my medical because I took Adderall when I was a kid. It's just the stupidest things that are holding these people back from having like a career. I mean, we have so many pilots in the United States that could be pilots if it weren't for these standards, these medical standards. Yeah, they seem just like overly strict and they're very much fear-based and it honestly it becomes hard to tell the truth when you know that it's you're never going to get on the flight line if you tell the truth and that the truth is really not that scary but the FAA just like makes it feel like oh I took uh, Adderall when I was 10 you know like that's a big deal it's not a fucking big deal but the FAA thinks it is and so it's it breeds just this system of like non-disclosure and aversion to disclosing your healthcare, um, mm-hmm. which we've talked about many times. Yes. Um, so do you want me to yeah. read the next article? So yeah, yeah. we go on and we're going to kind of talk about who's been impacted, like who's been most affected by this in the industry. And this article goes on to say, quote, the impact also depends on the class of carrier, with 83% of regional carriers finding it challenging to recruit talent compared with, compared with 22% of low-cost carriers. Despite these differences, there were few regions in the, sorry, I have to flip my, oh, we're on the next page. Okay, so it says, sorry guys. Despite these differences, there were few regions in the world that weren't dealing with how to secure enough pilots for few, for fuel future to fuel future growth so essentially they're saying this is not just in the u.s this is kind of happening worldwide Mm -hmm. yep and um i mean we're seeing it with the regional carriers like i've seen and i've seen it on the news too like united american they're pulling out different um routes like those Mm -hmm. what we call hopper flights to Mm -hmm. different cities like they're pulling those and i mean it may not be a huge deal, but I tend to think about those regional pilots who live in those um, areas where they were once served by a, a hopper flight, a regional flight, and now aren't. And so that totally upends their whole life um, yeah. and changes how they commute and all of that. Yeah. I know, for example, like, I don't think they've done it yet, but Greenville, North Carolina, um, uh, American Airlines, which is like the Piedmont US Air carrier, small plane used to go fly in and out of there. And that was a great connection. You could, I mean, my dad used to use that to connect to Charlotte, RDU, then to get up to Philly to base. And I don't think they've stopped that route yet, but I know there were talks of that. And all I could think was, I know that there are people east of that area where I grew up that are airline pilots. And now they're going to be stuck either going all the way to Norfolk, Virginia, or like, where are they going to go? And then a lot of the flights out of there just depends. Like, you know how difficult it is. And, and like for my dad and a lot of these people, they don't live close to base. When you're flying international, when you're a senior pilot, like my dad, my dad lived almost nine hours away from his base. He's based in Philly. We lived in North Carolina near the Outer Banks. Like, yeah, yeah, he had to commute. And yeah, I think start... about that. Yeah, because yeah. I I used to work. Well, I used to work at a really small airport in eastern Washington, it's Wenatchee. Um, the acronym is 
E-A-T, eat. Um, but uh, I just think about if that airport was pulled because they only get three regional flights a day and that's it. So it's super small. Um, if it was pulled out of that area, that would really affect a large part of that community because they all use that airport to get to Seattle. Um, in Seattle, you, you have to drive over the mountains. I was telling you this the other day, like for Washington folks, if you want to go from Eastern Washington to Western Washington, you have to drive over the mountains. There's no way yeah. around it. And so in the wintertime, it becomes very difficult to get over the mountains because it snows like horrendously and driving over the path it pass is like a death wish. So yeah. for many people, that little segue to Seattle, even though it's a 25 minute flight, um, it's very important for them. Yeah. And another thing I want to mention before before we move on to the to the next part of the article is, um, you know, we we're talking about these small, you know, regional carriers. Now, for example, like uh, U.S. Airways, Piedmont, they have like and I don't know if they're still doing it, but they used to have this gimme with ATP. And it's like, go fly to ATP. We'll pay for your training and you get like a, a five thousand dollar sign on bonus. And we're going to wrap you up into this like two year contract. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you yeah. actually go and look into the contract, they don't pay you jack shit. All right. For example, for example, not the same company, not even the, not even an airline, but right now at FedEx, you can be a person, you could be homeless and walk straight off of the street into a FedEx building and say, I want a job. And you could stand on the floor and move packages for 25, I think dollars an hour. Is it now that's state to state, it varies. Those people in the warehouse are making more money than FedEx pilots right now flying the boxes. Yeah. Now, you want to talk about why people aren't getting into aviation? Because you're making dog shit pay. Like, yeah. how can a, a random person with, like, you don't even have to have a resume. You can walk right in and be like, I want a job and make more money than the pilots are making right now who have just spent thousands on their career. Like it is, yeah. it's ridiculous. It's, and who, who wants to do that? Like who wants to like, only the people that love flying. Yeah. <laughs> only the people that literally want to break their back. And like, I respect those people so much. I respect, I respect every single one of you, but like, it's sad to me. Like that we need to be paying these people better. We need to be treating these pilots better. Like you wonder why there's really a shortage. Right. Well, nobody's going to work if you don't actually pay them for the work. Yeah, and I know that that is changing. Obviously, they're doing all the signing bonuses. Like, I know over here on the on the West Coast, it's like $100,000 signing bonuses for the regionals. They have pathways for the pilots now, but it's same thing. Like, they have to sign a two-year contract, and I'm like, what does that contract entail? And, yeah. like, these these greenies coming up, like, I don't even think they, they're just excited. Like, they're like, I'm going to fly for an airline. Yeah. I'm going to be an airline pilot. This like, is that's my, my dream. dream. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they don't think about like all the ways that they're being used. They don't know the airline history. Um, and I, it, it seems like they're like, they see gold or like dollar signs in their eyes because they're like, I have all this, all this loan stuff I got to pay off. Um, not realizing they're just being used um and treated terribly um but that leads me to my next quote from the article oliver wyman article so it says a major question facing the aviation industry is when demand will return for passenger recovery estimates 
estimates range from early 2022 to 2024 and beyond. For pilots, however, demand is driven by aircraft departures and utilization rather than passengers. The global in-service fleet has already recovered in size to 76% of pre-COVID levels. Um, so this quote is very telling of the industry and where it's headed. So the, the main part that I want to repeat is for pilots, however, demand is driven by aircraft departures and utilization rather than passengers. So that's just a fancy, real fancy way of saying maximize pilot utilization because the passenger maximization can't happen with the shortage because yeah. if all the planes are full, but they don't have pilots to fly more planes. Fly the like planes. They, yeah, they, they're stuck, you know, so they yeah. want to maximize their pilots. And what I've been seeing just by my own accord here is that pilots are actually now getting their schedules built out. So they're flying longer times yeah. than, than they usually fly. So they're being maximally utilized. Um, and I'm sure many pilots can attest to that in, in the airlines. Um, and it's very frustrating because I know that the pilot shortage is not going to change. And so that means that th this falls on the pilot's shoulders, Yeah, uh, which which can be very hard for people. And like we were talking about new pilots coming into the industry, they are like happy. They're not worn out. They're not burnt out. Yeah. They're not jaded. So they're willing to fly longer hours and they're not used to what, what was pre pandemic, you know, yeah. like the schedules pre pandemic, they don't have any clue. Um, and so I think it becomes harder for them to call in and say they're fatigued because they feel like they have a responsibility to their company it, like yeah. they're just tribalist in a way um mm -hmm. and so it's really teaching them like do not like i've said this before do not become tribalist to your company because they will drop you as quickly as you came like they don't yeah. care <laughs> um, well, and it's like you you don't you're never gonna know what what it's supposed to be when you came into it a certain way like you don't yeah. know what's good, right from wrong when you're only experiencing the wrong. And for what you're saying, these unjaded, these pilots who this is their freaking dream. They have probably dreamt about this since they were a little boy or a little girl. And they think, oh, yeah, well, this is what you do when you do your dream. You have to work your ass off. That isn't necessarily true. And Maddie, I really want you to hit on that, that fatigue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we recently saw an article come out by Fox business um and the the article quote says the southwest airlines pilots association says pilots are removing themselves from the flying schedule because of fatigue at a much higher rate than normal which is referred to as fatigue pool there was 738 fatigue pools among southwest pilots in october of 2021 compared to the historical average of 100 for for that month according to the union so that is insane um, that's a, actually a 70% increase in fatigue pools. So that's huge. Like they went from 100 fatigue pools a month to 738. Um, that means mm. that they are overutilizing their pilots and, and fatiguing them out. And, and that can be very scary because fatigue, I mean, we talk about mental health all the time. Your physical health is your mental health. When you're fatigued, you're messing up your circadian rhythms, you're feeling depressed. There's, there's research on that as well, that fatigue can put you into an anxiety and depression spin. Um, and that is just very difficult to see it playing out in real time. Well, and fatigue is like, fatigue is a, fatigue is a killer. Like, I yeah. mean, 
that's how people die. Um, because it doesn't matter how, you know, how much coffee you drank, if you're fatigued, your brain physically, your brain and, and, and the FA knows this, the airlines knows this, that that's why I say they don't care about you freaking passengers, because if they did, if they cared about your safety, they wouldn't let pilots fly like this because they know, they know that it's not okay. Um, now, and I wonder, and this is like, I'm going to put my conspiracy cap on, but do you think, you know how we talked about the whole, the whole vaccine thing now? And it says, this is in October when we were having all that outrage with, um, yeah. with the vaccine yeah. mandate. Do you Medical think mandates. that was from all those, those pilots protesting? And then the pilots that were there had all those shifts put onto them. Like, do you think that's Maybe. a result of that? Well, I think if we think about it that way, like that's a lot of stress for some, we have to think about it. Okay. It's not like right, right versus left politically. We don't think about politics in this. I'm just thinking about the pilot. That's a very stressful thing to think about if you're unvaccinated and being mandated to get your vaccine, that can be highly stressful for a pilot. And then you're also overworking them. So I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, and together they have made this huge potential. This huge storm. Just a shit storm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and when I say that, I don't mean that politically at all. Um, I'm just wondering if that, because that was around the time we were seeing a lot of pilots not showing up for work, and there was a lot of weather and a lot of weird stuff going on. So I'm like, I'm curious if those are kind of if that has pushed um, these airlines into just overdrive, and yeah, like we talked about, it's just it, it's 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 sad. It is very sad. I don't know, Maddie. Did you have more of that article you wanted to read? Um, no, I think I think I pretty much covered it. I think it's just something that pilots need to be aware of is that if you do feel fatigued, do not feel that you owe the operation your tiredness like it's not your fault you're tired you are being overworked and you it is okay to call in and say you're fatigued because it's not only for passenger safety it's for your own health your own mental health and your own quality of life yeah and i'm just going to reiterate that that again you know pilots please take care of yourself your company is not your friend your company <laughs> let me just say it again <clears throat> Your company is not your friend. You are a number, unfortunately. And I hate to be the person that's going to tell you that. But realistically, that is what you are to them. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have friends at your work. Those, those might be your true friends. I'm saying your company is not your friend. You need to do what is right for your mental health and your physical health because your physical health is your mental health. Um, and overall you have got to take care of yourself because the minute you stop taking care of yourself, you put yourself at risk, then you're putting all those people in the back at risk. And I know for pilots, that is a big one. My dad was always very, very hell bent on his passengers meant everything to him. Um, you know, he would always stand there and say goodbye to everyone. Like it was a big thing for him. He had a lot of respect for the people that were in the back. And I know a lot of you do, but in having respect for those people, you have to have respect for yourself first. Um, Amen. But uh, areas that you need to be aware of um, putting yourself at risk for fatigue. So both long haul and short haul pilots commonly associate fatigue with scheduling issues. So 
night flights operating like in that circadian low on that circadian low point, which is your circadian rhythm, which is your sleep pattern. Um, this is a big one, multiple time zone crossings. I don't know. This is one I've never understood how my dad could balance it. It, I mean, my dad's sleep schedule was so fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> like he would come home sometimes and it would be late and then he'd sleep till 12. But then there were other nights where he'd come home and he wouldn't sleep. And then he'd be up all day and then he'd go to bed at five o'clock in the afternoon. Like your sleep schedule is so messed up. Um, you're having to wake up pretty early most of the time. Um, time pressures. So you've got an increased workload now that we're talking about this pilot shortage. So you might be flying more than you're used to um, and multiple flight legs. So extended work periods. So, and then the last yeah. one is consecutive duty periods without sufficient recovery time. So chronic sleep loss, so chronic fatigue. Um, and that's a big one that I, I really, we could probably talk about that. That could be its own episode, but fatigue, yeah. chronic fatigue. Um, you guys really have to be careful with that one. And, you know, I'm not in the airlines, Maddie, if, if a pilot is feeling this way, like if a pilot really does not feel comfortable, um, flying or, or, or taking that leg, what can a pilot do? I mean, really, like if they don't feel comfortable, what can they do? Um, honestly, in the verbiage that you just use, like you they can say that to the crew scheduling. So they just call in and say, all they have to do is call in fatigued. You can't get in trouble for calling in fatigued. Like if you were to get in trouble for calling in fatigue, that would have huge implications because it's congressionally like passed. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like call in fatigued. Um, don't, I keep on stressing this, but the company, like they'll figure it out and it's not your it's not on your shoulders to make the operation work. It's the company yeah. and they're already over utilizing you. There is the pilot shortage, which should be at the forefront of your mind. Like my company is going to try to over utilize me in any way that they can. So if you're feeling fatigued, call it a day, man. And just call them fatigued. Yeah. So really the last thing, um, we're going to hit on is, you know, just be aware that you may be like a part of a company that will be merged into a bigger company at some point in time and how that will affect your life. I do not know. Sometimes that means your base will be dissolved, etc. So Maddie, want to elaborate on that? I just, um, I think it's important to just like point it out. Cause I think a lot of times you get hired by an airline um, you're excited to work for them and you never think about them being merged. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to just have in the back of your mind for planning purposes again. Yeah. Um, so yeah. now we get to do fun questions. Yes. Which we're going to start with some, I did a poll on our, um, pilots pandemic, the Instagram page. So I'm going to read some of those questions. I think we got like a few and we're, we'll answer those first and then we're going to kind of get into some, on aviation related questions so maddie i'll ask you first what got you started in aviation like how'd you get here today which i know a lot of our listeners already know but reiterate All yourself right. and i'll do yes, the same yes. after so i got into aviation i was i had just moved from salt lake city i was playing basketball over um at salt lake community college 
I moved to Bellingham, Washington, because um, I'm from Washington State, but I moved to Bellingham because my aunt lived here, and I I wanted originally to go to dental assisting school, so that's why I came here, but I had, like, an interim of time of when I could go to school, so I was like, what am I going to do to make money while I wait to go to school, and I just stumbled upon, like, I think it was, like, an Indeed ad for uh, Horizon Airlines, which is a regional carrier here. Um, and my dad already worked for Horizon. He was a ramper customer service agent and he was based in, in Seattle. Um, so he, he was like, yeah, you should do it. So I applied and I went through the, the interview and everything and I was hired and that's how I got into the aviation realm. I really was never like super into it before. I kind of just thought it was cool that my dad worked for an airline. I, I just was never really into aviation until I started working in aviation. Um, So that's how I got started into it. And that was in 2012 is when I got hired. So I've been doing it for a while now. Yeah. And how, I mean, you've been, you and your husband have been together for Uh, almost 10 10 years. Yeah. 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 It's wild. So I met him at the airport too. He flew in. Um, which I've told this story before, but he flew in and asked for me to come out to the plane because I was at the customer service desk and I came out and I thought he knew my dad, but he didn't. There was no like correlation there. He was just trying to pick me up. So I met him and he was flying regionally then. um, And we've been together ever since. So we've been together for about 10 years. Pretty wild. Well, I, I mean, if you guys don't know anything about me, which you probably have, if you listen to this whole conversation up to this point, um, yeah, my dad, my uncle, both both pilots for um, huge, massive airlines. They've been flying since they were kids, and then I kind of had been flying since I was a kid. My dad had a Piper Cub, and that was pretty much what we did when my dad came home, is we'd go fly, and I eventually, I knew, I don't know. It's weird that I got in. It's a weird way that I got into aviation because my dad really wanted me to be a pilot. He's always wanted all three of us to be pilots. But when I turned 16, I mean, immediately my dad was like, all right, we're getting your private pilot's license, but we're going to do it in the Piper Cub. (laughs) (laughs) That was not a good idea because I was great. Everything was fine. And then I just had like a massive fear of landing and landing a tailwheel plane especially at the time. And like, I can say this because my dad's dead, so he can't get in trouble. The freaking plane didn't even have brakes. Like you literally, <laughs> what? I mean, to do our run up, Maddie, we used to spin the tailwheel into mud, like off the side of um, the taxiway. There was always this one section at the very end that was like super muddy. And so we'd swing the tail all the way around and get it like hooked in the mud and then do our run up. And I mean, while we're doing our run up, like you could tell like, it was, we'd be easily bumping out of the mud, but it was just enough that my dad could like flip through the mags and do the run up. And then we'd, he'd spin it out of the mud and then we'd take off. But landing was always really difficult because just depending on the wind or whatever, if we couldn't land in the grass, you roll for a really long time. Um, yeah. And that freaked me out. So like, if I couldn't land in the grass, I was like, eh. And then I just got, I ended up getting to a point where I was like, nah, fuck this. I can't do it. Like, I'm just, this isn't for me. I ended up like, I had graduated high school. Well, I didn't go to high school. I was homeschooled, guys. It explains a lot about me. Not all the way through my school, but high school, I was homeschooled. 
And right when I got my degree, a month later, my dad passed. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go to school. I'm going to go to nursing school. And I did that for a few semesters. Ended up not really liking that. One day I saw a plane in the sky and I was like, you know, I'm going to go to flight school. And then it's just been game on from there. I kind of, I think, I think I need it. Like, and I didn't need my dad and I didn't need that to happen to me. But I feel like if my dad wouldn't have passed, I would not be a pilot right now. Um, I feel like that's a gift. Like he gave me that gift of like, confidence and wanting to carry on a legacy so that's really what got me into it and I don't know I just have a lot of love for the aviation industry these people have really been there for me they were there for me after my dad died they were there for me after my uncle died I mean the aviation industry was there for me more than my own family after my dad died so that is just yeah I mean people constantly contacting my mom talking to my mom every single day like people that my dad used to fly with to make sure that she was okay and that to me just resonated really hard. And I think that's another reason why I wanted to have this platform is because I understand that these are some of the most amazing people and some of the most incredible friends you will ever make in your life. The loyalty that this industry has to one another is really beautiful. So that's yeah, kind of I why I agree with that. Yeah. I have the same kind of like mentality with the aviation industry. It's just like, there are bad parts but the family like the your friends are basically your family yeah. like I still go walking with my coworkers, and I haven't yeah. worked it, for that company for 10 years and they're yeah. still my friends and they were like, the same thing I'm like they were there when my dad passed away like my boss drove all the way five hours drive to come to my dad's funeral she didn't know who my dad was but yeah I, she knew how how much it impacted me and she bought brought some of the people that worked at the company with her like I was just amazed because I don't think any other place where I worked would have done that and so that made such a huge difference in my grieving process too Hey guys, so we, I know we just answered one question or it might not, we might not have even answered questions by the time I edit this, but we are going to hold off on doing questions this week because after going back and listening to the episode, I realized that I really want to dedicate like a whole segment for questions. Um, Because this episode was really detailed, I feel like, and there is a lot to unpack and digest. I just want to leave you off with that information, but we are going to close out the episode and we want to say thank you all so much for continuing to share and sign the petition. Guys, we're at 8,400 signatures. I think we're close to 8,500, right, Maddie? Yeah, we're getting there. We're making our way to 8,500. Yep. And on top of that, I hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. Um, I know that what, what's today it was last week so yeah it'll be like yeah. last week by the time you guys hear this but we hope all went well with your Thanksgiving and you know it wasn't traumatic so you know <laughs> no drama no drama it's no like you know where do you draw the line you're gonna be the drama this year or you're gonna you're gonna stay chill I just well, which know, one were you let us know <laughs> I keep I keep spooning in the cranberry sauce with the oh potatoes. my god stop you like cranberry sauce dude I okay I, I used love to not cranberry like sauce. it I used to not like it when I was little but like 
I see the fucking canned cranberry sauce and I'm like, yes, mm, dude, it is. Shit. It's refreshing. Like I, I mm, I'm not even gonna lie. You put it in the refrigerator, slice it up. It's just good. Yeah, it is really <laughs> just good. And if not you're a lot cran- of people like it. Yeah, like I always say, if your cranberry sauce doesn't have like ridges in it, then it ain't right. Yep. Like you yeah. gotta have the canned stuff. <laughs> that is the best thing I've ever heard anyone say. If it doesn't have ridges in it, it ain't right. <laughs> it just tastes um, better that way. It does. It does. But last and not not surely not least, guys. Um, I know a few of y'all have used the congressional letter please keep on sending them. There's really not like a limit to how many times you can send this letter. If I were you, I would be sending it every single week. Um, As you guys know, this is very important. We had made a post about it on Instagram, but really guys, who makes these rules is Congress. And the only way that we're going to be able to get that change is getting this in the hands of your local and state elected officials, because that is where change begins. So keep on sending them letters, guys. And last but not least, I'm just out of breath today. I really can't. (laughs) I really can't, guys. Um, Please, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And please leave us five stars. Um, It really does help us a lot. We're trying to build the platform so that we're able to give you guys even better content. Um, so it really helps us out when you guys do that. And Maddie is going to be offering something a little bit special for any yes. of five stars. Tell us about so, that. Yeah. If you guys give us a five-star review, you have to leave it with a comment. It can't just be a five-star cause it doesn't, um, it's, we're not able to see who leaves it. So if you leave a five-star review, leave a little comment to review us with the, with the five stars and then screenshot it and either send it to our pilots pandemic Gmail or to our DMS on our Instagram. So we can see that you did the review. Um, and that'll enter you into a drawing that we're going to do each week for a free coffee. And we'll just like Venmo you over the money or PayPal it, whatever way is easiest. Um, and you guys will get a free coffee for our reviews. Heck yeah. And if you didn't get it this time, I know we will be making a post on Instagram about it. So if you need more details, you'll see it there. But like she said, it's really not easy. Rate the show five stars. Leave a nice comment. I don't know why you would rate five stars and leave a mean comment, but rate five (laughs) stars, leave a nice comment and enter to win a free cup of coffee. I mean, who doesn't want that? For real. All right, guys. Well, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always, keep that blue side up and that brown side down.